RF9. Take three. <laughs> A blessed Christmas to all of you, both worshiping with us on site and online. Thank you for coming to celebrate with the birthday celebrant. Can we all greet Jesus a happy birthday? One, two, three. Happy birthday, Jesus. Seldom does Christmas Day fall on a Sunday. So may our worship today be our gift to Him. So let us quiet our hearts and our minds and offer this to God. Good morning, church. Uh, allow me first to greet each and every one of you a blessed Christmas. Why don't we turn to our neighbor and uh, greet them a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's such a joy to be able to come and worship our God as we celebrate the birth of his, uh, his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Truly, it is a joy, a blessing for us. As uh, Boksu has mentioned a while ago, uh, it's seldom that uh, Christmas Day falls on a Sunday. 
So a lot of our uh, brothers and sisters have stayed up late last night. And uh, thank you for coming here today to worship with us. I would like to welcome also the Sunday school kids who are here today joining us in the balcony. Uh, welcome. Thank you for coming. God foretold the birth of his son, the Messiah, when he tell that to, to, the, to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9.6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Come, let us worship our King. Shall we all rise as we celebrate Christ with our Christmas carols? Let's clap our hands.
God is with us. Amen. There's joy, unspeakable joy. Today is Christmas. Let's celebrate the birth of Christ. Let's joy to the world. joy in the midst of our worries and our obligations. In a season when every heart should be rejoicing, many of us are struggling with the burdens of life, circumstances, things, problems, 
and people who try to rob us of our joy and peace. Sickness and tragedy strike unexpectedly, putting the joy in our homes and interrupting our lives. Disasters come and tell us to be sad, and an inner voice whispers for us to be afraid. While we may sing songs of joy, yet we confess that our hearts are too often filled with wonder of a different kind. Wondering when the bills will be paid, when the conflicts will stop, when the rest will come, will it ever come? Is the message of Christmas still true today? In a world where worry, not peace, prevails, stir up that good news of joy again in our hearts. Never have we needed your joy and your peace more than today. And yet Christmas comes and reminds us what you did for us so that we can have peace and joy. Father, 2,000 years ago, you gave us your greatest gift, a baby in a manger, the gift of your son into our world, the gift of salvation that comes through him alone. And along with him, you gave us gifts of love, of joy, of peace and hope. For your son was born not only to be our savior, he was born to help us with what we face every day. For that child at Bethlehem lies the promise of an eternity with you. We can never comprehend the reason why you came. We can only marvel that love, peace, joy, personified, have come to us through a baby in a manger. But unless we respond, then your coming is useless. Christmas has no meaning if we never get to know the birthday celebrant. Christmas has no significance if Jesus is not in our hearts. For those whose hearts who are battered by sorrow or broken relationships, for those whose lives know only conflict and confusion, for those whose bodies are tired and tested beyond their ability to endure, precious Savior, may you draw them close to you. For your name is still called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. As your children, we cry out for a fresh feeling and a new awareness of who you are. Release joy in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, in those who are sick, even for this season. You have promised rest for the weary, victory for the battle scarred, peace for the anxious, and acceptance for the brokenhearted. Not just at Christmas, but every day of every year. We choose by faith to make the good news of great joy a reality in our lives so that others can see as lighted trees of life pointing to you this Christmas. We know one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And we also know that peace on earth can only come when hearts find peace with you. You are still our joy. You are still our peace. And as we celebrate you as Lord, this Christmas and always, may we look forward to the day when you will rule the world with truth and grace. And on that day, all the nations will prove 
the glory of your righteousness and the wonders of your love. Today, as we celebrate your birthday, may our worship and our hearts be our gift to you. The sins of your servants are many, but may your Spirit's presence anoint us and minister to us. Show us again the miracle of Christmas that first happened so many centuries ago. This is our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose birthday we celebrate today. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
Thank you to our choir. Isn't, just, isn't it just heavenly? After nearly three years, we miss them. Agree? Yeah, after three years. Thank you for uh, singing for us and leading us to worship. Thank you to the worship team, the worship band, accompanist, orchestra, and of course to our musical director and conductress, Sister Beverly Xiang Pan Cheng. Now, how many of you stayed up last Sunday to watch the finals of the World Cup? Nobody? Okay, some of you, yes. Um, it's exciting, right? Jin uh, Dieto. Who rooted for Argentina? Uh, France. Okay, there's one France there. Uh, it's an exciting match. Someone mentioned this is the greatest World Cup finals in all of history. Okay, but did you know that one of the most controversial matches of this World Cup was the one between the United States and Iran because of the political tensions between the two countries? But did you know that the last time these two teams would play each other at the 1998 World Cup, it began with an unlikely gesture. The Iranian players gave their American opponents bouquets of white roses before their match as a symbol of peace. And the U.S. team reciprocated by giving their opponents their federation penance. The pennant. And together, the squads would pose for a group picture before their match-up, which Iran would eventually win. That peace, however, did not last. A few months after the match, the U.S. government would label Iran as a state sponsor of terrorism, and the relationship between the two countries worsened even to this day. Now, let me tell you another story. This took place on Christmas Eve in the year 1914, in the midst of the First World War, German soldiers and their bitter enemies, the Allied troops, they were entrenched on opposite sides of the battlefield during that cold winter night. As the sounds of the gunshots were heard at the war front, suddenly, from out of nowhere, someone started singing the carol Silent Night in both German and English. And the person singing was a German army officer and a former member of the Berlin Opera named Walter Kirchhoff. His singing led to a pause in the hostilities between the two sides, and soon both sides started exchanging Christmas carols throughout the night. The next morning, 
German soldiers would emerge from the trenches calling out Merry Christmas in English, and the British soldiers would come out cautiously from the other side to greet them. And over the course of that Christmas day, 1914, enemy troops from opposite sides shared their food and drink and exchanged gifts of cigarettes and even their hats. Now let's watch a video portrayal of what actually happened that night. My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, it's schön. Um, it's schön. Oh, Why do we get sentimental when we watch this? Because it touches the deepest part 
of who we are, it resonates in us this longing, this hope for peace. We all desire peace. We all want reconciliation and forgiveness. Why? Because God created us that way. Many people often define or associate peace with calmness. By the way, uh, after one day, they resumed hostilities and fighting after that story. It's a true story, by the way. Many people often define peace with calmness, with serenity, an absence of war or conflict, maybe physical safety or political harmony. But actually, those are the results of peace. They are not what peace stands for. What then is peace? Peace is best understood in its Hebrew term or equivalent. And we all are familiar. It's called Shalom. Shalom. Shalom has this idea of wholeness or completeness. When nothing is broken, when you have it all together, that's the meaning of shalom. It's not just an absence of conflict or problem, but it's wholeness in all dimensions, in all our relationships. And the opposite of peace is when all the pieces in your life are out of sorts, thus you are not whole, therefore you are not at peace. The best illustration I can give is this. Peace is like a vase that is whole and in one piece. There is no peace if the vase is broken into many pieces. Do you remember uh, Dr. Spock from Star Trek? He has this famous greeting to send people off. And he would use this hand signal, the one you can see on the screen. Remember what, what he would say? Anybody remember? Okay, there are Star Trek fans here. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. The actor who played uh, Dr. Spock is Leonard Nimoy. He's actually Jewish. And his greeting is a greeting or a blessing of shalom. So shalom here literally means may you be full of well-being. May you have total wellness. Okay, that's the true meaning of shalom. And to be whole, to have shalom, you must have these three components. shalom The first one is a right relationship or peace with God. The second one is peace within. And the third one is peace with others. 
好好。所以，咱就这三项哦，咱做 shalom。Okay? To have all these three, uh, that's the time that you can have shalom. And there are three directions here. Peace with our Heavenly Father, it's vertical. Peace with others, it's horizontal. Okay? And in inner or internal peace with your soul. In fact, shalom in its strictest sense is actually this. Okay? Shalom is the way things are supposed to be. Tai Chi Yangkai Si Anikwan Shalom Isu. That's why when we look at this world, when we look at our relationships, when we look at conflicts around us, wars, especially in the news, we struggle. Why? Because we know that things are not supposed to be that way. That's why we all have this longing to go back to the way things are supposed to be. Back in the Garden of Eden, humanity broke peace with God when we got disconnected from Him because of sin. The wholeness in our relationship is broken. That's why Jesus has to come to restore those broken pieces in our life and in our world so as to reestablish that connection between God and us and between us and others. The coming of Christ brings peace. How? To help you understand this, let me read to you Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. But now in Christ Jesus, okay, can we read together? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away from God. Okay, let's stop. Who is far away from God? This is not a physical separation. This is not physical farness. This is spiritual. Those who are spiritually far from God, they have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, who is he? Jesus Christ. He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups. Which two groups? Jews and Gentiles. He made the Jews and Gentiles into one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So the context of this passage matters. The Ephesian church is located in a major port city, and trading hub in present-day Turkey. So the believers that made up the church were made up of diverse people groups from different social backgrounds, from different ethnic backgrounds. There are Jews, there are non-Jews. And this passage is saying that in the coming of Christ, peace is brought to both of them, both the Jews and the Gentiles. 
犹太人甲外邦人哦，拢得到和平。Meaning, before Jesus Christ came, there is this dividing wall. Okay, before Jesus Christ came, there is this dividing wall. There is this hostility. There is no peace between Jews and Gentiles, and not only Jews and Gentiles. This actually represents all ethnic groups between Filipinos and Chinese, between Chinese and Americans, or generally between every person. There is a barrier, a wall, because of our sins. But not only is there hostility between the two groups. Notice the Apostle Paul says in verse 16, his purpose was to reconcile both of them to God. To reconcile both of them to God. Kito kiden cha tio sibdike xiao biet yao xiu hun. Okay, xiao biet yao ge xiu hun. Jiu cha tio sibdike ho sang hong kap xiong te ho ho. Meaning, not only was there no peace between Jews and Gentiles, there was also no peace between Jews and God, and between Gentiles and God. So there's another kind of hostility here. The first hostility in verse 14 is a hostility between men and men, and in verse 16, the hostility is between God and men. Now. Isaiah 59 verse 2 tells us, "Your iniquities, your sins, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He does not hear." Any act of sin, no matter how big or how small, is an act of hostility against God. So now, not only is there a barrier between. Men and men. There's also a barrier between God and men. Romans eight verse seven. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Because of our sinful nature, we are at war with God. There is enmity between God's, because of God's wrath upon us. So in this passage in Ephesians, there are two kinds of hostilities mentioned. Hostility between men, verses fourteen and fifteen, and hostility between Jews and Gentiles, or between men and men,、uh, and between men and God. That's verses sixteen to eighteen. Now, this dividing wall of hostility actually started between God and men, and our primary issue here is not the horizontal issue; it's a vertical issue, because we are not at peace with God. That affects our horizontal relationships, and these two barriers are actually interconnected or related. They are actually one single problem that demands one single solution. And what's that solution? Both of these barriers are dealt with in one way. Both of these barriers came down in Christ. Now, how did He do it? How did Jesus bring peace? Vertically between Jews and Gentiles, and horizontally between God and men. Notice in verse sixteen, it says, "He reconciled both of them. How? Through the cross, Jatiosibdike. 
So through the cross, can you see? Christ came down to where we are, and that's Christmas, in order to put an end to these hostilities, the dividing walls of hostility between God and men and between men and men are breached in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus on the cross removed our sin and therefore removed the wrath of God that we can have peace with God. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. Through Him, Through Jesus Christ, we now have access to the Father. See? Both groups now have access to the Father through the cross. It is this vertical reconciliation that made the horizontal reconciliation possible. Jews and Gentiles who were once hostile to each other were now made one through his body, through this church. We are now made one. But take note, we cannot be at peace in our relationship with others unless we have peace in our relationship with our Creator. Let me repeat, you cannot be at peace with one another unless you are first at peace with God. Horizontal reconciliation without the vertical reconciliation is not lasting. It's only temporary, just like the two examples that I gave earlier. In Jesus' coming, we can finally have lasting peace and reconciliation in all directions because it is only through the cross that all three components of shalom are possible. Now, these are the three kinds of peace that Jesus came to give us. First, he came to restore our peace with God. That's spiritual peace. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, have done for us. Now, peace with God did not come from what we do. We cannot do anything to have peace with God. Remember that. This is not physical separation that can be solved by you coming to the church. Okay. Many people, they come to the church so that they can be close to God, so that they can have peace with God. But we cannot have peace with God by coming close physically to God. Many cultures, they have their peace offering in order to appease their gods. But the only peace offering acceptable to our one true God is the offering of Jesus Christ. Peace with God comes only with what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that's what Christmas is all about. Second Corinthians 5.18 And all of this is a gift from God who sent Christ to make peace between himself and him. Now, Christmas tells us that the war is over. And because Jesus came, we are no longer enemies with God. But we are now children of God. For with Christ comes peace with God. So can we do that? Peace with God. It's vertical, okay? Now, the second peace that Jesus gave is peace of God. Okay, this is peace, inner peace or peace with the self in the midst of adverse circumstances. And this is a result of our peace with God. When I have the 
vertical peace with God, then I have the inward peace of God inside of me. Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. We often think that if we just take away the source of our conflicts, then we will have peace. If the bills are paid, then we will have peace. If these people stop giving me a hard time, then I will have peace. If my children will be quiet, then I'll have peace. Notice the word if. If this happens, then I will have peace. You have to understand that outside circumstances don't determine our inner peace because inner peace is not dependent on what happens outside. It is like this satellite image of a typhoon. In the band outside, the situation is chaotic because of the rains and the winds. But there is one place where you can experience calm and feel safe. Where is it? In the eye of the storm. In the eye of the storm. It is peaceful there. This is the safest place to be in a storm. Now, what's the eye of the storm in our life? In Christ. In Christ. The most peaceful place to be is in the center of Christ, in the center of God's will. This morning, some of you, you may feel like you are going through a storm in your life. Maybe strong winds are tearing through your life right now. Always remember this. There is an eye in the middle of the storm, and that eye is Jesus. It's only in Jesus that we can experience inner peace. Someone once said that peace is not the absence of conflicts or problems. Peace is the awareness of the presence of Jesus in our every situation. And this is Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. Remember the story of Jesus sleeping in the midst of the storm? That's a perfect picture of inner peace. So whatever you are going through right now, whatever you are going through right now, you can have peace. Everything in your world may be chaotic, but when you are in Christ, when you are trusting Him, there is inner peace that transcends anything in the outside. You can have peace within because you know God is still in control. I see many of you, you have this kind of peace. Some of you, you battle with cancer, and yet you are not even sure you will be healed. But when I look at you, when others look at you, they can see peace. Some of you, you have to face great financial difficulties, and yet you still serve, you still help others, you still reflect the peace of God. Many of you, you have loved ones who have been sick for a long time, but you still hang on, and you still love God, and you still come here to praise Him. And this is the peace that surpasses all understanding. This is when you have peace, even when there's no logical reason why you should have peace. Logic would tell you that you should have no peace, and yet you still have this inner peace in you. Why? Because you are in Christ. You are in the middle of that storm. The Prince of Peace is in you, and he gives you the peace of God, the second kind. You have the peace of God when you have a peace of God, P-I-E-C-E. You have the peace of God 
when you have a peace of God. Peace is not outside in. It is inside out. Take note, this is not the same as an inner peace that the Eastern religions are teaching, like yoga or transcendental meditation. The Eastern way of thinking says that peace is found in me. I just have to empty my mind. On the other hand, Christianity teaches my peace is not found in me, but in Christ. You don't empty your mind. You fill your mind with Christ. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose whose thoughts are fixed on you. And that's the secret. You want the peace of God? You trust Him. You fix your mind on Him. Now, the third kind of peace that Jesus came to bring is peace with others. And this is relational peace. Jesus brought peace to to you in order for you to extend that same kind of peace to others. Romans 12, 18. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 2 Corinthians 5. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. I once shared this story of Butner Fanning. He was an American soldier stationed in Hiroshima, Japan, the days immediately after the Second World War. Can you imagine what it might have been like to wear an American uniform and patrol the streets of Hiroshima just weeks after the dropping of the atomic bomb? Amidst all the devastation and the death of your enemies or of your nation's enemies. Can you imagine the hatred and the hostility of the Japanese people against you? Can you imagine what it might have been like to, um, to be an American soldier in that place at that time? Fanning described how in one of his patrols, he noticed a sign that was half hanging and dislodged, but still readable. Beneath the Japanese words, which he could not understand, are some English words that say Methodist Church. And there was an arrow pointing to where it was. He took note of that, and the next Sunday morning, this 21-year-old U.S. Marine took his Bible and went to where that sign was. After he walked through the rubble, he found a small church with parts of the wall collapsed, with holes in the roof from all the bombings. Inside the church, he was surprised to find some 15 to 20 Christians, all Japanese, who had gathered that Sunday to worship. How would you have felt if you were one of those Japanese and you saw this American soldier walk into your church? An American soldier who probably killed one of your family members or loved ones or friends. Fanning only knew one word in Japanese, the word brother. He stood at the entrance, and for the longest time, those Japanese Christians just looked at him, and no one spoke until finally one of them said, brother. He walked towards Fanning, and extended his hand to welcome him to join them in worship. The American did not know any of the lyrics of the hymns they were singing. He did not know what the preacher was talking about. 
at the end of the sermon, there came a moment where they took out the bread and the cup to celebrate communion. And this Japanese Christian walked towards this American Christian and offered communion to his brother. At that moment, there was no division between Japanese or American. At that moment, there was no war. There was only peace. Why? Because these two men had made peace with God through Jesus Christ, enabling them to extend that same peace to each other. Ephesians 2 verse 16, the last verse in the passage we are reading, it says, Christ brought us all together through this death on the cross. The cross gets us to embrace each other in the hostility and end the hostility between different groups. When we have the prince of peace in our lives, then we can have peace with each other. If you have experienced the peace of God, you can now give that peace to somebody else. Now let me ask you, my dear friends, is there anyone in your life with whom you need to make peace right now? Maybe there's a conflict in your family. Maybe there's a relative that you have not spoken to in years. Maybe there's a friendship that's been fractured. What do you need to do to forgive and to extend that peace this Christmas? May you take the initiative to bring peace to someone in that situation. Jesus came to give us all these three kinds of peace. That's why when the angelic choir sang to the shepherds the first Christmas carol ever sung in the history, they proclaimed, what did they say? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angels made an unconditional promise here that because of the birth of this baby, Two things will happen. One, God will be glorified. Two, there will be peace on earth. So Christ was supposed to bring glory to God and to bring peace to men. Why peace? Of all things, why peace? Because that's what we need most. Because that's what we need most. But when we look at our world today, tell me, it's been 2,000 years, but where is this peace that the angel is talking about? And that's one of the main reasons why Jews today don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, because they believe that the Messiah would come to bring peace. And since there's still no peace, then the Messiah still has not come. But what the Jews are waiting for, actually, is a different kind of peace. It is an external peace where there is no war or conflict between nations and peoples. The idea of peace, or their idea of peace, was actually taken from the Pax Romana, or the Roman peace during the time of Jesus, when they were under Roman rule. The Romans would keep things under control through military might, through coercion. But in John 14, Jesus tells us, the peace I give to you is not the same as the peace that the world gives. 
the peace that Jesus brings is a different kind of peace that the world gives or understands. This is not human peace. This is a divine or heavenly peace. This is spiritual peace. Jesus did not only come to break the cross. He came to break the power behind the cross. Well, he, he did not only come to break Caesar's sword. He came to break the power behind Caesar's sword. And that's death. He did not wield a sword to attain peace. He bore a cross. He did not shed the blood of others to establish peace. He shed his own blood. And this is the gospel. This is good news. This is what the angels proclaimed. Peace on earth. Take note of the phrase that comes after peace on earth. It says, Among those with whom he is pleased. Now, is this peace for everyone? Is this peace for everyone? No. Jesus was talking here to his disciples before he faced the cross. And this is the last thing he leaves them. Peace. And this peace is only given to those who believe in him, those who follow him, those who are reconciled to God. Isaiah 48 verse 22 tells us, there is no peace for the wicked. So no God, no peace. But if you know God, you know peace. Now look at the person next to you. Mukhang may peace bed. Or mukhang ipis. Okay. Dear friends, peace is not found in a perfect, serene, or quiet place. Peace is not found in the perfect set of circumstances. Peace is not found in the people around you if they would act a certain way. If my children would stop quarreling, then I will have peace. Peace is not an ideal or a goal that you try to achieve. Peace is a person. And that person has a name. Christmas tells us that peace has arrived and his name is Jesus. The Bible says Jesus himself is our peace. That's why if you have Jesus, then you have peace. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have peace or you don't have lasting peace. Something is always missing in your life. You will never be able to find peace apart from Christ. I often hear people say, Pag namatay na ako, mananahimik na ako. But no, you don't have to wait to be in your tomb to find peace, to find rest in peace. You can actually have the peace of God right now, right here, by having Jesus, the Prince of Peace, rule in your heart and in your life. The phrase Prince of Peace in Hebrew is actually Sar Shalom. Can we all say that? Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom is an alliteration. It's actually poetry. And so the English translation would say, Prince of Peace. But what would have been a better translation should have been General of Peace or the Commander of Peace or the Ruler or the one in charge of peace. That should have been the translation. It had a military sense to it. Like somebody that is in charge. Somebody that has authority or power. Prince of Peace 
may sound nicer, but the word Tsar is actually a military term. It could have been a general of peace or the authority of peace in your life. When everything around you and inside of you feel like going crazy and you don't have peace, you need to know that there is a general of peace that will guard your heart and your mind. That's why Philippians 4 verse 7 tells us, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The image here is like this. There is a general, a commander of an army that is guarding your peace always 24-7. And this does not mean that everything is just going to be well, that everything will turn peaceful. Jesus never promised that, that everything will be peaceful in your life. It doesn't mean that there will be no longer fighting or anxiety or pain or chaos. But if you live in Christ with the spirit of peace in you and the prince of peace guarding you, then you can take all that is coming at you, all that is swirling around you, you can be grateful. Why? Because your peace is within. It is not dependent on the outside. And that peace is being guarded by the Prince of Peace. So the conflicts, the pandemonium may spin around you, but it is possible for you to have peace in your heart and mind and your soul and be a tower of peace in the midst of all of it. As we conclude this series, as we have mentioned the last three Sundays, Isaiah 9 verse 6 was given at a time when the Jewish nation was not at peace. It was under the threat of war, of foreign invasion, and possible exile. The people were wondering, is God still with them or against them? Has he abandoned them? Then this prophecy in Isaiah was given in the midst of this uncertainty and turmoil that a child would come to represent God's presence and embody God's characteristics. And there are four names given for this child. We all know from the past three weeks, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, why these four names? Because they represent what the people of Judah needed the most at that time. They needed wisdom from the wonder of a counselor to guide their king's decisions. They needed a leader who would lead the nation like a father in those uncertain times. They needed a mighty God who can protect them from the powerful Syrian and Assyrian armies that are threatening to invade. But above all, they needed peace, wholeness, to carry on their normal lives amidst the threats of war. They desperately needed a leader who has all these four traits or characteristics. Don't we need those exact things right now, today? Wisdom, provision, protection, and peace. How about you? What do you need most at this time from the Prince of Peace? Jesus is still our wonder of a counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. 
He is the Prince of Peace and He can be the Prince of Peace for you and to you and in you. But you have to connect with Him first. You have to surrender to Him in order to have that peace. There is no true peace outside of a relationship with the Prince of Peace. Jesus is that Prince of Peace and He and that peace that surpasses all understanding is available to you right here, right now. Do you want it? Now, I want to end with this next verse from 9 verse 6. We often read up to verse 6, but the next verse says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It tells us that it will be a lasting, an eternal peace. Now, let me tell let me ask you, what's wrong with this picture? Okay, the wolf will eat the lamb, right? This cannot happen in a normal world, in our norm, normal situation. But Isaiah talked about a future peace that we can look forward to. And that's what we see in Isaiah chapter 11. It says, the wolf will live with the lamb. No, it's weird. How can a wolf live with a lamb? The leopard will lie down with a goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling will be together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with a bear. The lion will eat straw like an ox. You see, the nature has changed. Our sinful nature is not there anymore. The infant will play near the cobra's den. They will neither harm nor destroy This is a picture of heaven. This is a picture of the millennial kingdom. This is a picture of the peace that we are all longing for. It is a peace that we are all going to experience someday. As a response song is being sung, I want you to reflect not only on the words of the song, but also in your relationships right now. Do you need to make peace with God? Do you need to make peace with others? Can you use this time to bring the Prince of Peace in your life and in your heart?
You can pray for yourself first. You can pray before God. You can pray for Jesus Christ, our birthday celebrant. You can tell him what's in your heart. Father, we thank you that one day 
everything will be made whole. You'll come to restore all things to what they are supposed to be. We thank you that Jesus Christ came and was born for us. Even when we were unworthy and undeserving sinners. That we don't need to be alone. That we don't need to be hopeless. That we don't need to be fearful or anxious. That we don't need to be guilty or hiding. And now, those who are weary, those who are broken, those who are weak, those who are unwell, those who are unfaithful can come before you. This morning, God is welcoming you. Yes, you. God is welcoming you back into his family. Your heavenly Father is calling you home. Come home. Those of you who are stressed by the worries of life, come home to the master who offers rest to the heavily laden. Come home, those who are lonely and brokenhearted. Come home to the friend who loves you more than a brother. Come home, those who have secret sins and addictions. Come home to God, who will not condemn you or judge you. Come home, those of you who feel worthless and shameful. Come home to the Father who welcomes you with open arms. Come home, those who are far away from God. Come home to your Savior who is waiting for you to come home. Father, you took a thousand steps from heaven to come to us. And all we need to do is to take that one step to go back to you. May we find room in our hearts for you that we may prepare to welcome you into our homes and our lives, that you may forever be in our lives. Thank you for the promise of peace. Thank you for being the Prince of Peace who guards our heart and mind and provides peace that transcends all understanding. Forgive us for being unfaithful, for being enemies with you because of our sins. Teach us to love you. May you deepen our understanding of who you are. May we cherish what you have done for us on the cross. May we live out the meaning and the miracle of Christmas all our lives. And may we extend that same love and grace to those who are still far from you. We look forward to the day when the Lamb will lie together with the Lion, when there is indeed peace on earth for those who believe and trust you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Prince of Peace. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Right now, let us join the choir in singing Christmas carols to celebrate our Christ and our Savior's birthday.
rise to receive the benediction. May the Lord bless and keep you this Christmas season and in the new year. May His face continue to shine upon you and may He gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you true peace. Amen. Amen. Can we give God the glory? Let's praise Him. A happy birthday. Thank you for worshiping with us. A blessed Christmas to all of you and your families. Thank you.